Well, we are continuing our study here in Route 66, Road Trip Through the Bible, going to be in the book of Proverbs today, looking at um, uh, working our way through all the books of the Bible, all 66, in a 52-week calendar year. So we are getting a big overview, and um, again, today is the book of Proverbs. I wanted to point out, too, that we have a new member in our family some of you have gotten wind of this. Andrew, you might have to help me there. I don't know if I'm going to be able There we go. Uh, this is our son, Johnny, with his new dog, Andy. And uh, Andy is a schnoodle, uh, mixed between a schnauzer and a poodle. And uh, so far, we've been having, having fun. Um, although we had to pick our, our, who is going to what services today based on who is going to stay back and handle potty training duties. So it's already kind of rocked our world a little bit here, but uh, we're, we're, we're enjoying it. Uh, we made the trip to southern Indiana, actually, to pick up Andy, and it was a part of the country that I have not been in before, and I have never encountered so many back roads and twisty and turny uh, routes in all of my life. Of course, I was using my, my map app, uh, to kind of navigate, and I, I came away pretty amazed, again, with just technology, pretty amazing stuff. There were a number of times where we were clearly going the wrong direction. You know, we're, we're getting onto a northbound road, and we're supposed to be going south. And so I'm like, literally, I'm handing the phone back to the other, saying, hey, you need to look at this. I don't think we're going the right direction. And 30 seconds later, Dad, it's the shortest route. You know, <laughs> you, you just trust it. <laughs> um, and sure enough, uh, that north route twisted around and ended up going south, and it was, uh, you know, a nice, a nice quick way. A couple other times where, of course, it said, you know, five minutes ahead, there is construction delays. But be assured you're still on this, the, the, the fastest route, you know. Uh, and sure enough, we come up on uh, bridge construction and things narrow down to one lane. I mean, just really, really kind of amazing. And then, of course, there was the, the one occasion where I was on the phone and I was not paying attention. And, uh, of course, it doesn't interrupt my phone call, but I'm still supposed to be sort of keeping an eye on the app. And I chose to go my own direction and uh, added about 15 minutes to our trip, which you know for a guy is really, it really wasn't that big of a deal, but for me it was. We, we lost 15 minutes in that, you know, but that's what I get for trying to go my own direction, not listening to the navigator. So the app shows you how to get to your destination when you don't know how to get there. Helps you anticipate what you can't see. It tells you what is around the next bend. And it kindly tells you when you've made a wrong turn. Right? We all want to navigate life skillfully. It's one thing to navigate southern Indiana skillfully, but we want to navigate life skillfully. We have a destination in mind where we would like to arrive. We want healthy relationships. We want stable finances. We want to flourish in our work. We want to... Uh, uh, properly utilize our sexuality and, and, and all that that looks like. Uh, we like to think that we know how to get to our preferred destination, but the reality is that our sense of direction is often wrong. We think that this road will take us 
to where we want to go. And oftentimes, it will not. Oftentimes, it will take you exactly where you do not want to go. (laughs) Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs to help us navigate life successfully. It is a book of wisdom, counted among the writings of the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, The word proverb literally means to be like or to be compared with. And so Proverbs makes use of everyday um, scenarios or analogies and uses them to convey profound truth. So they're, they're, uh, Proverbs are simple, vivid, memorable illustrations that tell us about the realities of life. Now here's a few of my favorite extra-biblical Proverbs, just to get us thinking about the nature of the genre, okay? Spurgeon said, a bad book is a big thief. Oh, that is so true. I've gotten halfway through a book and I'm thinking, this is not addressing the topic I thought it was going to be addressing. (laughs) Or, um, it just isn't that well written, right? Um, So, yeah, a, a bad book is a big thief. When elephants fight, the grass is always what suffers. So think about it. You, you can have uh, a fight with somebody, whether it's an overt fight or just tension or whatever it happens to be there, right? The two of you are not the only ones affected. Right? When I'm angry, when I'm frustrated, when I'm toxic, it impacts my kids. It impacts my wife. She's like, are you angry with me? <laughs> you know, it spills over, doesn't it? Really interesting proverb when you start to think about that. Oh, this was a saying by my friend Dorote, who lived in Benin in West Africa, not far from Togo. Uh, when an old man dies, a library burns. That's really good, isn't it? And it's such a vivid imagery. Like we think of this big, all these books, it's going up in flames. And it's kind of like what happens when an old man dies, right? I mean, that's the power of a proverb. So this is the kind of thing that we're, that we're talking about that is uh, sort of the, the crux of this particular book of the Bible. Now, the book is attributed to Solomon, although there are others who make contributions along the way. But Solomon is sort of the figurehead here for this book. Uh, he was the son of King David. And when Solomon became king, God offered to give him whatever he asked for. It's a really uh, remarkable little scene there in 1 Kings chapter 3. And Solomon uh, asked for wisdom. Now, he just had inherited this kingdom, right, from his father David. And David had expanded the boundaries of the kingdom, taken all the land that God had promised them. Israel had become a major player on the the, 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 the scene, you know, in the known world there. And Solomon was feeling the weight of it. And so God said, I'll give you whatever you want. And Solomon said, please give me wisdom to be able to rule your people well. I feel inadequate to the task. Well, of course, God, uh, that, that was a, uh, a request that pleased God. And um, here's what we read about Solomon Uh, Sort of a a quick little summary statement. Uh, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite and 
Heman and Calcol and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. In addition to just being wise, we're also told that Solomon had a passion to make other people wise. Uh, one of his driving goals was to impart wisdom, to, to pass on what he had learned. And so we read this in Ecclesiastes, which again is attributed to Solomon. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. Well, that's what we have here in the book of Proverbs, right? Is this collection that Solomon brought together, uh, not just to show off his wisdom, but to help other people be wise. Specifically, his, his own sons, his own children. But by extension, we have an opportunity to be wise too, uh, by giving attention to Solomon's wisdom. So, uh, Solomon's very overt about his purpose here in the opening verses of Proverbs chapter 1. So, I'm going to uh, begin there. Uh, there's at least six different purpose statements that Solomon gives for writing, and I think this helps to get us uh, thinking in the right direction here. Uh, Solomon wanted to help people navigate life in a uh, skillful and disciplined way. So he wants people to become acquainted with wisdom and instruction. There it is, uh, Proverbs 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction. Wisdom uh, is at least a, a familiar term. Uh, practical, the practical application of knowledge, the skill of living. We're not talking about IQ here. It is possible to be scary smart and very unwise. Okay, so uh, we're talking about two different things here, the skill of living. Uh, there's an interesting um, reference in Job to the ostrich, chapter 37. Uh, the ostrich is, is lacking in wisdom. Now, the ostrich can do certain things. The ostrich can run really fast, okay? So he has certain attributes, but he's not very smart at navigating life. Uh, an ostrich will eat anything, iron, stones, glass, bullets, uh, very indiscriminate without maybe thinking about the consequences of its choices. When hunted, an ostrich will put its head behind a bush and conclude that it is hidden. Like a little child, right? I can't see you, so you can't see me. An ostrich will be very careless with its eggs. Uh, it doesn't guard over them consistently and uh, oftentimes will step on its eggs, killing its own young, right? So not, not the, 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 the wisest animal. Uh, Solomon wants us to navigate life better than that, right? Uh, wants us to uh, be acquainted with wisdom. And then there's this word instruction, uh, and that is a discipline word. It's a, it's a painful word, actually. It's sometimes translated as chastise or reproof. 
So he wants them to become acquainted with wisdom and instruction. He wants them to have skill and discipline. So this is a painful word regarding discipline, but it's always discipline with instruction in mind. It's not punishment, but it's the the work of a coach who continues to put uh, his, his team through drills. He pushes them makes them run wind sprints. He makes them do things repetitively to sort of drive it in so that they will be ready for competition, right? It's like a, an orchestra conductor or that piano teacher who says, do it again. You think, that was really good. No, but it could be better. And we're missing some of the rests there. The notes you're playing are good, but there's parts there where you're not supposed to be playing. We need, we need to feel that a little bit more, right? So, I mean, a teacher's going to push you, not because they're upset with you, but because they want to see you do your best. And so, uh, the idea here is that a, a, a life of wisdom doesn't just happen. It's, not doing, it's just not a chip that gets implanted and, whoo, all of a sudden I start living wisely. It takes work. It takes practice. It takes effort uh, to, to become a wise person. Solomon also wants to help people understand the way of wisdom. So this idea of understanding, and obviously the very nature of the Proverbs, Solomon's really concerned with putting things on the bottom shelf in a way that everyone can understand, in a way that can be readily grasped. He wants to help people think carefully about the direction of their lives. Verse 3, again, he's writing, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. So he has in mind a moral backdrop here, doesn't he? A life that is lived according to God's law, a life that is marked by what is right and just and fair. But there's also that really interesting word in the NIV, prudent. Instruction in prudent behavior. Sometimes this is translated like circumspect or thoughtful. Um, a lot of people live their lives without much thought. It's been said that people live unexamined lives. They just go about their duties. They don't think much about the allocation of their time or where they're really going, what they're contributing to. Um, and Solomon says, no, I want, you to, I want you to approach life thoughtfully, prudently, carefully, circumspectly, like looking around, considering where I'm going. And so this is another one of, his, one of his goals here. To help people grow in discernment. Uh, verses 4 and 5. He's writing, For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and indiscretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. In short, Solomon wants to move the needle. So for those who are simple who don't have a lot of knowledge yet, maybe not a lot of life experience. He also calls them the young, right? He, he wants them to, to gain wisdom. To those who are already wise, he wants them to get wiser. He wants them to add to their learning, to keep growing in understanding and skill. So he's, he wants people to continue growing in discernment. He wants to help people understand Proverbs. Again, a very specific genre uh, of, of literature and, and how they work and how Proverbs can be helpful in shaping and training our minds, our worldview. 
and he wants to help people ground their wisdom in the fear of the Lord. He gives this one really key statement here at the end of the introduction, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So true wisdom is not um, found out there in the culture. It's not found simply through life experience or by my intuition. I just have a sense that this is what I should do. Uh, Solomon is, is writing about the type of wisdom that comes when a person puts themselves under God. The beginning of this kind of wisdom comes when a person lives in the fear of the Lord. They recognize that God is the creator and they are the creature and they take their place before the Lord. Okay? Uh, Paul actually unpacks this uh, again in 1 Corinthians. Um, he, he develops categories of worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. So he says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. So there is a, there is a path of wisdom. We can look at people and say, man, that, that person's really shrewd. <laughs> you know, or they, they, they're, they're really... Uh, they're really living life skillfully, right? Or they've, they're wealthy or they're famous or they're accomplished in certain ways. And, uh, but in, in some cases, that might come to nothing in the final analysis. <laughs> Whereas God's wisdom is, is a wisdom that maybe we haven't discovered it. Matter of fact, the text says it was a mystery. It was hidden. We never would have thought to do that. <laughs> but it has now been revealed and so this is the type of wisdom that comes from God, right? So this is an important statement that, that Solomon is making here in verse 7 about the key of the fear of the Lord. This is the beginning point of true wisdom. Now it's probably a good spot for us too to just think through um, some of the key people in the book. Uh, three main categories. There's the wise uh, these are people who listen to counsel. These are people, again, that are living in the fear of the Lord, that are walking in his ways. Um, and then you have the simple, who is a bit inexperienced. The jury's still out a bit, maybe because of age or other factors. They, they're kind of drifting through life a bit, okay? And then you have the fool, who has chosen to reject. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. Uh, they, they don't want God's authority over them. They're going their own way. They're shaking their fist at God. Sometimes they're called the mocker here in Proverbs. At one level, we might think of it as a continuum. Like, here's the wise person, and we have the simple who's maybe on their way to being wise, right? Maybe, maybe not. The jury's still out. And then you have the, the fool who, uh, again, has taken a diametrically different course from the wise person. But the reason I put it in the diagram as I did is because there, there is a sense in which the simple and the fool are in the same category. Now, we hold out a little more hope for the simple person that they can respond to counsel, correction. Um, but uh, we have a couple of verses that sort of lump the simple and the fool together. That if the simple doesn't do anything about their trajectory, they, like the fool, are heading for destruction. 
So here we read Proverbs 132. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So the simple and the fool are coming from slightly different positions. The simple person is wayward. They're just kind of being driven and tossed. <laughs> the, the, the fool is callous. <laughs> They're hardened. But the reality is that both of them are on a path of destruction. Okay? So Solomon's urging us here, as you read through, you're having to decide, am I going to be a wise person? Where do I find myself in that little chart? You know, am I a wise person? Am I a, uh, we might, maybe there's some mockers in the room, right? You're, you're here under compulsion today, <laughs> but inside you're, you're committed to doing your own thing, right? But there could be some simple folks here who say, you know, I, I, I'm not thinking carefully about some of these life choices. So those are some of the bigger categories that Solomon deals with here. Now he begins uh, chapter 1, verse 10, through chapter 9. This opening section is not Proverbs. It's not the little sayings. Instead, we have uh, an opening exhortation, a father appealing to his son. Matter of fact, ten times Solomon says, my son, my son, my son. Right? Over and over, he's appealing to his son. Now, in Proverbs, we read a bit about physical discipline. Um, Proverbs 23, 13, here's again, part of how a parent relates to his child. Uh, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. So it's... uh, it's a little bit harsh language. It's a little out of kilter with how our culture functions. But the Bible's talking about physical discipline, or we might call it spanking. Um, uh, key part of my, my formative uh, life growing up, right? And certainly something that the, the Scriptures commend. We could say there's problems at times with child abuse, where this is not done properly. Uh, it's not done in the right spirit or in the right way. Uh, but the reality is probably the bigger problem is child neglect, where parents do not curb their children away from the path of destruction, right? Uh, if we really understand what's at stake in this, then uh, we, we embrace some of these models of discipline. But I would suggest to you that, that this type of discipline, physical discipline, spanking, is really for a very young age. By the time we get to Solomon here, writing to his adult son, He's appealing to his son. And I think in a wise parenting relationship, there's a shift between some physical discipline that's necessary early on, but increasingly, I begin to appeal to my kids, right? And I begin to not only tell them what the, what the rules are, but I tell them why the rules are there. And I want to help them internalize, and I want them to understand my heart, and I want to call them to the path of wisdom. So this is... Uh, what's going on here in this opening section. Solomon is making his case for why his son should walk in the way of wisdom. Here are some of the types of things that he talks about here. Uh, Don't seek ill-gotten gain. Chapter 1, verses 10 through 19. A really interesting little section here. Solomon says, uh, you know, your friends come up to you, son, and they say, hey, let's go steal that other kid's lunch money. And then we'll have a few extra bucks in our pocket, and we can go to the movies this weekend. 
And Solomon says, that might seem like a really good idea, but that's a really bad idea. <laughs> it's going to get you a couple extra bucks in your pocket, and it's going to get you a whole load of trouble in life, if that's how you operate. <laughs> if, if, you, if instead of working for your money, you go steal it, that, that doesn't end well for you, okay? So um, he gives them a, some instruction in that regard. Listen to the call of wisdom. Uh, chapter 1, verses 20 to 33, Solomon paints a picture of wisdom, calling, uh, and he urges his son, listen to wisdom. Uh, wisdom's not hidden. God has made known his ways. Uh, a fool says, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. And Solomon says to his son, don't be like that. Wisdom is calling. Listen. Trust that God's ways are best. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 begins, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. So it's kind of back to the map illustration, right? The, the son might think, that's what I want. That's what's going to bring me joy. And Solomon's like, no, it will not. It will bring you a burst of euphoria it will bring you a bit of a distraction from the doldrums of your life, but it will not bring you joy and fulfillment. <laughs> he says, trust, work the plan. Work God's plan. Trust that God's ways are best. This is the way of peace and prosperity. Adopt a long-term perspective. Great little section uh, here in chapter 6. Uh, Go to the ant, you lazy person. Right? Uh, no one's telling the ant what to do. No one's saying, hey, it's time to do your chores. You know, we've got to get the trash out today. Nobody's telling the ant what to do, but the ant knows enough, is wise enough to carry those little crumbs down into its hole so that it's ready for winter, right? And so he's urging his son, learn from the animals around you. Uh, maintain and embrace a long-term perspective. And then he spends a lot of time urging his son to avoid the trap of sexual sin. There's a big section here in this introduction uh, on this topic. Uh, he paints uh, a very vivid picture for his son. Chapter six, uh, chapter 7, verse 6. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. So Solomon says, opportunity for sexual gratification, right? You're in this place. There's this woman here. Things are kind of dark. You can get away with something, right? This is, this is the scene that's being painted here for his son. And then notice how he develops this later in chapter 7, verse 21. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to slaughter like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. Right? So he, he says, here's this opportunity, but you've got to understand where it would lead. If, if you engage in illicit 
uh, sexual gratification, it, it leads to a bad place. Don't go near her corner. Men, there's great counsel here from Solomon for us. We need to hear Solomon's warning. By the way, Solomon is no prude, right? He lauds the beauty and pleasure of the sexual relationship. Chapter 5, uh, verses 15 through 19, in, in no uncertain terms. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Uh, he talks later on there. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. So Solomon's not down on sexual intimacy, but he says God has designed it to work in a certain way. And he appeals to his son to, to, to think of his sexuality in the context of God's design. So, so again, it's this appeal. He's making his case for his son. Listen, go the way of wisdom. And then we get into a section on Proverbs. Uh, here's all the Essentially, kind of random collections of little sayings. And I'm just going to trace through a few of the categories. Uh, one, uh, a lot of them have to do with speech. Proverbs 27, 14, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. So, when you speak and how you speak is as important as what you speak. Right? So I've got this issue going on with my dentist. They, they have, like, a lot of text alerts. And I realize that I am due for a cleaning. Okay? I get it. But 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday is when the text alert comes to me. <laughs> that doesn't make me want to go get my teeth clean. That makes me want to make a phone call. <laughs> right? So we have to think about how we communicate and the tone of our speech. Uh, Proverbs ten nineteen. when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Where there are many words, sin is present. <laughs> so we need to learn to restrain our speech, to pause before saying the first things that come into our mind. Conflict. Uh, how do you resolve uh, tension? Uh, Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Sometimes the very first words that are spoken in a, in a charged context can make all the difference, can't they? And it's like there's truth that needs to be spoken here, and we're going to have a chance to talk about it. But first of all, I need to make sure that I'm listening and that that person knows that I'm listening, <laughs> And then there'll be opportunity to have other discussion, right? But I, I've made this mistake so many times where I, I've sabotaged a conversation. Oftentimes having to go back later and apologize. But uh, we, we get some great counsel here about how to be peacemakers. Proverbs 27.6, in the arena of friendship, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. If you have a friend who kind of ticks you off sometimes, you have a good friend, Right? You don't want a friend that just always tells you what you want to hear. If you have someone who pushes back, boy, that's a, that's a friend to treasure, okay? Um, work, Proverbs 13, 11, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. 
So God's plan is not for us to experience some windfall. God's plan is for us to work and earn through our work, little by little. It's not real glamorous, but it's the, the way that life generally works, okay? Character. Oh, I love this one. Proverbs eleven twenty two. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Boy, where do you even go with this, right? I mean, this is just good stuff. You, the, the, so th- I was just thinking about the proportion. Like, here's the woman's beauty, and it's like this gold ring. And then there's like the pig, which is her character, right? I mean, beauty's great and all, although it's fleeting, but it's just a little thing. You know, in the broader scope, I, I just, it, what a, what a, I, I'm going to have that image in my mind all day today now. Love, Proverbs 15, 17, better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Better to have, uh, better to live poor in a loving home than to eat steak every night in a home where there's discord and conflict. I mean, wh- wh- where's the priority here? Are we trying to get rich and wealthy and live the high life or are we investing in relationships, right? So again, in a, in a, in a very graphic way, we communicate that that point so uh, those just give you a sampling of many of the proverbs Um, i'm going to suggest to you that the last two chapters are wisdom exemplified i think in some sense uh, solomon points us to some of these figures that that show us what it is to live a life of wisdom so we have in chapter 30 a wise man uh, actually a man named agur and you read his words in the opening portion of chapter 30. He basically says, I'm a loser. I don't understand. I'm not very smart. But he says God's words are completely dependable. Like this is a guy that gets it. He realizes his limitations, the limitations of his intellect. And he recognizes where true wisdom comes from. You don't have to have a, this tremendous IQ to be wise you just have to be willing to receive counsel and be willing to submit to God's truth. And Agur, I think, demonstrates um, a, a wise man. And then uh, in, into chapter 31, you have a wise king or a wise leader. And here's King Lemuel. And he puts forward certain uh, insights about what marks a wise leader. And he talks about not drinking strong drink. Uh, a leader needs to be clear thinking, right, to be able to make proper decisions. And so he goes through and lays that out. I think, again, he gives a good picture there of a wise leader who doesn't just do whatever he or she wants to do, but uh, walks in accordance with, with God's ways. And then a wise woman. Uh, there in Proverbs 31, the end of that chapter, uh, here's a woman who... Um, is bringing honor to her husband. She is caring for her kids, making sure that they're clothed. She's, she's preparing things for winter, and then she's also doing a lot of other stuff. She's uh, buying and selling property. She's quite entrepreneurial, but she sort of has things in order. There's a, a priority to her work and her labors. Uh, she is a woman that is flourishing um, because she's walking in the way 
of wisdom. So I think we, we get some glimpses there of what this looks like. Well, we started off talking about my map app and how great it was and how I marveled at technology again this week. There are times when the map app does not get it right. There's times when it says turn right and there's no road there, right? Uh, there's times when it says the speed limit's 65 when in reality it's 55 or it's a construction zone, right? And so uh, you still have to sort of use your, your brain. But God's word, God's wisdom is infallible, right? It, it truly tells you what is around the next bend. What is up ahead that you can't see? And it's completely dependable to help us navigate life. God's word is never wrong. So you have to think through today where you are, uh, whether you're a wise person, whether you're a simple person, or whether you are a fool. And uh, Solomon calls us and urges us in a very um, fatherly way, appealing to his readers to walk in the way of wisdom. Well, as we've ended each of our times, so we've taken a gospel glimpse. Uh, Jesus is the fullness of wisdom. Jesus is the fullness of wisdom. I, I, don't, I, I don't want you to hear today, we look at Proverbs, what it is to live wisely, live skillfully. I don't want you to hear that uh, we, if we live this way, we will please God or we'll somehow earn merit with God. Um, this is not a sermon about good works, okay? Um, and I think we see this really clearly here in Jesus and how he is presented as uh, God's wisdom. Uh, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So Solomon gives us wisdom for a lot of different areas of life, doesn't he? Christ gives us wisdom for salvation. Christ helps guide us, not just in your work relationships and in your marriage and in your speech patterns. Christ guides us in the paths of righteousness and holiness and redemption, right? Christ is the wisdom of God that helps us to navigate and come to peace with him. So again, uh, this whole theme of wisdom points us to Christ. And then people come from all over the world to hear the wisdom of Solomon, but Jesus is wiser than Solomon. This is a super convicting passage in Matthew 12, 42. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. I uh, could be, some are here today not convinced of uh, uh, not, not having recognized Christ as Savior and Lord, right? Uh, the Queen of Sheba is going to stand there at the judgment in condemnation of those who have rejected Jesus as the wisdom of God. Uh, Solomon's nothing. <laughs> and people came from all over the world to hear from Solomon. But it's just a foreshadowing of the wisdom that Christ has brought. And uh, boy, a great call for us to turn to him if you don't know 